Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The Gospel for today is from Matthew's Gospel. In fact, the very beginning of chapter 5. Here, Jesus teaches us a Sermon on the Mount. Essentially, it's his vision of Christianity. You could say it's our blueprint to how to act as a Christian and a follower of Christ, what Christianity really looks like. Now, we have to pay very close attention to the details of this gospel passage for today. Notice how it begins. Jesus went up the mountain. He sat down and began to teach. We'll stop right there. It's a basic biblical truth. Whenever you hear mountains in the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, they're always very holy places. It's where heaven and earth unite. More to it, it's a place where you find God. I'll give you some examples. Noah, he beaches his ark on Mount Ararat, and in doing so, he establishes a new covenant with God. Abraham and Isaac, they climb up Mount Moriah for the sacrifice, and yet they encounter God there, who's ready to stop Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. Moses, he encounters God in the form of a burning bush on top of Mount Sinai. Jesus himself, he climbs Mount Tabor and is miraculously transfigured before his apostles. Finally, Jesus climbs Mount Calvary and sacrifices himself in order for us to be saved. Well, now Jesus here, he goes up a mountain. So the first thing that we can take from this is we are going to encounter God in this gospel passage. The Son of God is going to lay out his vision of Christianity and how we are to act and live as followers of Christ. And so, this is very important teaching for us to take in. Now, when you stop and you think, this scene of Jesus on top of a mountain, surrounded with his disciples and the crowd, it conjures up the image of Moses when he receives the Ten Commandments from God. And then he gives the commandments to the Israelites as a means of instruction for the Israelites now to live out their covenant with God. Well, the same thing holds true here. Now, Jesus, you could say, is the new Moses. He's given us the new law, the instruction on how we should carry out ourselves as followers of Christ, how we are to live out our Christianity. Well, it says Jesus sat down. In the ancient world, this was the position of a teacher. Now, in our day and age, teachers always stand in order to gain the respect and the attention of their students. But not so in the ancient world. Essentially, the teacher sat down, and then the students would sit on the ground at the feet of their master and their teacher. So right away, 
this story reaches out and grabs us. It grabs our attention. Now, when we hear Jesus speak of these Beatitudes, at first we think they're somewhat odd. In fact, almost a contradiction in terms. These Beatitudes really are turning our world upside down. And that's very intentional. The Beatitudes are countercultural to our sinful world. Take that first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, all the Beatitudes start with blessed. The Greek word here is makarios. Remember, the Bible is originally written in Greek. And so the Greek word is makarios for blessed. Now, makarios can also be translated as to be happy are you or lucky are you. And so with that translation, lucky are you that you are poor in spirit. Now, it begs the question, why is this the first beatitude? Now, remember, everything Jesus does and says is very intentional. There's no happen circumstance or no random with Jesus. It's always very intentional. Well, we know pride is one of the seven deadliest sins. The prideful person says what? I make myself the center of my life. My life is all about me. My wants, my desires, my pleasures, my agenda, everything else takes a back seat to me. Well, we know this is incredibly prevalent right now in our culture and in our country. We see it with politicians, entertainers, sports figures. Friends, this is the voice of sin. And so, who really is poor in spirit? It's the person that has emptied himself of all their ego and all their pride. It's the person that can honestly say, I live for God. Paul puts it best in Galatians 2.19. Paul says, It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Well, to be poor in spirit means that we have emptied ourselves, such that now Jesus can assume the proper place in our life, which is the center of our life. Now, go back to that first question. Why is this the first beatitude? Well, because I think it's the most important beatitude. It lays the foundation in order for us to practice all of the other beatitudes. Now next, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn. Translate it, Happy are you if you are sad or lucky you are that you're not addicted to good feelings. Now, good feelings are just like any drug or alcohol. You know, we can be addicted or attached to them. We all know those feelings. They come and go. We have them then for a time, and then they gradually wear off. The temptation is to seek them more and more. Now, if we're truly living by that first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's not always going to be easy. Just look at the lives of the saints. You know, suffering was part of their life. See, when Jesus enters our life and he is, becomes the center of our life, then we may have to suffer for our beliefs. I'll give you a very clear example of this. Our belief on the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. Now, it is becoming more and more violent in our country and in our culture over the past just few years. You see pro-life clinics or buildings being burned down or sabotaged 
because of our belief in the sanctity of life. Well, sometimes doing the right thing can be difficult. What is Jesus really saying here? Blessed are you who don't allow your moral and your ethical integrity to be compromised by the attitude of everyone else is doing it, it must be okay. Well, no, it's not. Next, blessed are the meek. Now, you say to yourself, well, this seems utterly ridiculous. History teaches us only the powerful and the ruthless inherit the world. Caesar, Napoleon, Stalin, they all proved that. These were people that were addicted to pursuing power and control to the extent they were ruthless in the pursuit of it. Well, what is Jesus saying? Lucky are you if you are meek because you have detached yourselves from the goods of this world. Now you're free. You're free to do God's will. See, when we make God the center of our life, then everything else in our life, our work, our career, our family, our friends, our hobbies, our activities, they all fall into harmony with one another. They don't compete with God. And so blessed are you when your identity is rooted in Christ. Blessed are those who hunger for holiness. Now, we've said many times, Christianity is not a passive religion. It's an active one. It requires us to live out our faith, which is why we come to Mass every Sunday. We pray every day. We engage in a lifestyle of stewardship because it nourishes our soul and strengthens our faith. Next, blessed are the merciful. Well, what Jesus is saying here is, How lucky you are to be able to enter into the suffering of others. And in doing so, you help those people bear the weight of their cross, whatever it may be. Blessed are the clean of heart. Well, translated, lucky are you when you have the well-ordered soul. What does sin do? It causes the disordered soul, such that what? Your mind is going one way, your heart is going the opposite way. Your intellect is going one way, and your will is going another way. The well-ordered soul is one in which your heart, your mind, your soul, your will, your intellect is about one thing, Christ. Finally, blessed are you when you are persecuted. A good measure or a good gauge, how well we're doing in the spiritual life, is how much we are oppressed. If we have the attitude of, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, we're not walking the right path. Just look at the lives of the saints again. There are times in which they faced opposition. Some were persecuted, some were even martyred. The key is they fought that opposition. You see, the last thing the devil wants is for you to grow stronger in your faith. And so Jesus is saying, Happy are you when you are walking the right path, despite the fact that it's not always going to be easy. Now, one last thing. Remember last week, we heard Jesus calling his apostles, and the apostles responded immediately. And we found out why. Because Jesus stirred up in them the image and likeness that we are all created in, the image and likeness of God. The apostles saw that and they immediately responded to that. They followed Jesus. Well, the more we live out these Beatitudes, 
the more we live into that image and likeness of God. Here's how. The Beatitudes, taken as a whole, essentially they describe Jesus Christ crucified. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, Jesus emptied himself when he mounted the cross. Blessed are they who mourn. Well, Jesus suffered to redeem and save us. Blessed are the meek. Jesus always detached himself from the goods of this world to follow the will of the Father. Blessed are the merciful. Remember what Jesus said before he died. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Well, Jesus faced oppression and persecution throughout his entire ministry, and it didn't prevent him from doing the will of the Father. See, Jesus embodies the Beatitudes, and the more we live out the Beatitudes, the more we embody the true presence of Christ in our lives. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.